0: Pacific waves from RNZ Pacific, Nicole Hawkins. Coming up...
1: There were links there to Chinese organised crime uh, and also to the Chinese Communist Party.
0: A new investigative report has exposed details of a Chinese Communist Party and triad push for political influence in Palau. Also...
2: Remember, decisions are made by those who turn up. If you do not turn up, do not complain.
0: Aegeans are being urged to come out in numbers and exercise their democratic right to vote on Wednesday. And later on,
3: I dedicated that time advocating for Pacific communities. I've left everything on the field.
0: We speak with Aupito William-Seo, Seo, who is one of two Pacifica government ministers retiring at the 2023 election. A new investigative report from the Organized Crime and Corruption Reporting Project has exposed details of a Chinese Communist Party and triad push for political influence in Palau. It says the tiny Pacific nation is a key hotspot in the growing rivalry between China and the West and that organized criminals with links to the Chinese Communist Party are trying to find a way in. I spoke with the project's lead editor for the Pacific, Aubrey Belford.
1: So uh, this is a report that we've been working on uh, for most of this year. Um, It's been uh, our Pacific team and myself and Bernadette Carreon, who's a journalist uh, who's been based in Palau for the last 20 years. Uh, So what we've been looking at, it's actually a pattern repeated across um, a lot of the region uh, and also in uh, Australia and New Zealand and in Southeast Asia, uh, which is basically as China is becoming more, Uh, assertive geopolitically, Uh, sometimes uh, they've had their interests forward by essentially proxies who are business people and sometimes organized criminals. And so we focused in on Palau uh, because Palau is a country where there's been a really interesting case of this happening. Palau is a very small country, just 18,000 people. And what we found is that there's been a series, an interlinked series of uh, Chinese business people involved in a bunch of some quite audacious business plans uh, for the country uh, and also uh, some illegal businesses. Um, We found online gambling, uh, basically where hundreds of workers from China were coming out to Palau and taking advantage of their fast internet there to run illegal gambling sites uh, that were targeting uh, China. Uh, And basically what we found is that these businesses, um, there were links there to Chinese organized crime, uh, to the triads, uh, and also to the Chinese Communist Party, uh, the CCP. Uh, and we also found that uh, when we looked into how these uh, business people got set up in the country, we found that they'd made a lot of links with members of the local elites, um, including two former presidents.
0: Now, um, quite a lot to unpack there. Uh, maybe I'll start with... Were you able to get comment from the the presidents and and any Palauan leaders or people involved on this issue?
1: Sure. Yeah, we actually were able to speak with most of the Palauans that we wrote about, and they they were quite forthcoming uh, as well and and pretty direct. Um, You know, uh, one of the people that we spoke to was uh, a former president, Johnson Toribiong, who is a lawyer. Um, So... He's actually, um, you know, a a friend uh, and business partner with a longtime Chinese expatriate there who is the head of the uh, Palau uh, Overseas Chinese uh, Federation there, which is essentially a a body linked to the Chinese Communist Party that is there to organize expatriate Chinese in the country. It's an an instrument of influence abroad. Uh, So he's partners with him in a company in Hong Kong And this individual, uh, known as Hunter Tian, um, we found that he was actually, um, his company was leasing uh, the land that he was operating the property where one of these illegal online gambling operations was found. Uh, And he was leasing the land from former President Toribiong's cousin, who is uh, currently a, a minister in cabinet. So it's a very small place. And basically everywhere we looked, we found Um, that Palauans were, you know, welcoming some of these figures in, sometimes partnering with them in business.
0: Uh, Obviously, the geopolitics of this is very interesting. But how does this tie into, I guess, day-to-day politics, policies, impacts for Palauan citizens?
1: So, I mean, what has happened so far is that Palau, unlike some other Pacific countries, has stayed... Um, In its diplomatic relationship with Taiwan, it's still very pro-Western. So what we've seen in Palau was that we had these business proxies operating, um, but actually getting shut down a lot of the time. Uh, So, you know, there's been uh, quite a strong resistance in the country uh, to this influence. Uh, And also, I mean, there's quite um, strong foreign pressure you know Palau is in in a compact of free association with the United States so you know it's very very tightly closely tied to the United States you know both financially and in terms of military forces and everything so in this case we haven't seen um great success but what it does um show is the kind of methods that have been used all across the pacific uh in researching this story and I don't want to give away any spoilers but there are links between uh, some of the business people we look at and other Pacific countries. Um, For example, some of the people involved with one of the main characters in our story, um, who is a a senior uh, Chinese triad figure uh, known as Broken Tooth, who was actually uh, jailed in the 90s and the early 2000s for being an organised crime leader. You know, he's now reinvented himself as an international businessman who is, uh, you know, promoting Chinese Communist Party interests abroad. Uh, He tried to set up a casino in Palau. um, And, you know, his local uh, secret society organization was set up with the help of some prominent Palauans. But when we looked into his network, we found a lot of uh, these people affiliated with Chinese organized crime were traveling around the region using Vanuatu passports. So, you know, it, it is interlinked um, and this is something with implications for the whole Pacific.
0: Amazing stuff. Where can people um, read the full article? Uh, where can they access um, uh, this information if they'd like to have a, a proper look at, at the report?
1: Uh, so we are publishing on our website, which is OCCRP.org. Uh, we've also sent copies around um, to a bunch of uh, Pacific publications so you know it might show up uh in a few of your listeners local papers or websites in the coming days and you know um i guess i can also go to the rnz website and you guys will have a story at some stage uh but yeah occrp.org uh, it's the top story there right now and um if anyone has you know any tips or anything about anything ha- happening in any other countries you know i'm also very open uh, to listening
0: yeah, yeah. Any? Can you provide us any sneak peeks at what's next?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, we're working on so much. But when we are looking at uh, this issue of Chinese influence and the use of, you know, organized crime proxies, I mean, this really does show up everywhere. So uh, no sneak peeks, but, um, you know, yeah, there's, there's a lot more we're working on.
0: Watch the space. Thank you so much. I uh, appreciate Thanks your time. And, uh, yeah, no, great work.
1: All right, cheers. Cool,
0: bye. More than 606,000 Fijians are expected to head to the polls on Wednesday to elect a new parliament for a four-year term. It's the country's third election under its 2013 constitution. The Fijian Elections Office is ironing out the final details, including a few changes to polling locations, one noteworthy one being the Batuwanga Primary School in Suva, Fiji, which will no longer operate as a polling venue after a section of the school was damaged by a fire on Monday. The Supervisor of Elections, Mohamed Sanim, says the voters who were scheduled to cast their ballots there will now vote at the Yatsen Secondary School. Other locations have also been changed.
2: On this note, ladies and gentlemen, there are 16 venues around the country that are not voting at the location we had previously advertised for various reasons. Uh, Please take note of the new locations. We will be putting up big signboards outside these venues so it will direct you to the new location anyway. From this afternoon, we will also upload the, um, the maps to the new places so that you are able to locate it in case you are trying to find out. It will be available on the FPO Facebook page.
0: Any voters unsure of where to vote are being urged to text their voter card number to 1500 for the latest updates. In the race, there are 343 candidates from nine political parties and two independents vying for a seat in the 55-member parliament. Voting will take place at 855 polling stations from 7.30am local time to 6pm or after the last voter in the queue at 6pm has voted. The Fijian Elections Office has announced that all voters will be provided free transport to polling stations. The Supervisor of Elections, Mohammed Sanim, also said a call centre had been set up for voters.
2: Polling operations will start at 7.30am, ladies and gentlemen, and I encourage every voter to come out and make your vote count. All you have to do is circle or tick or cross the number of your candidate on the ballot paper and you only have to mark one number. Let me remind you, it is not just a mark on a paper. Your vote is important as it will determine who will make the decisions on your behalf for the next four years. As you leave the polling station, it is the FPO's desire that you do so with the sense of satisfaction and achievement and national pride in having contributed to the country's electoral process and indeed having exercised your right to vote, your democratic right to vote.
0: More than 90 observers from 16 countries and two regional organisations, the Pacific Islands Forum and the Melanesian Spearhead Group, will monitor polling, counting and tallying of the ballots. In the lead-up to the election, the multinational observer group observed no regularities. A total of 77,907,000 Fijians were registered to vote for pre-polling over the last week. However, only 54,244 Fijians cast their votes. PG is well into the cyclone season and it's been raining heavily for periods over the weekend which could affect voter turnout. The 2018 election was heavily impacted by bad weather and Sunim said they were planning for the worst but hoping for the best.
2: I would like to acknowledge the statement re- released by the multinational observer group in relation to tomorrow's election and we look forward to the entire country who has waited for the last four years for this very important day. Remember. Decisions are made by those who turn up. If you do not turn up, do not complain. So, ladies and gentlemen, from tomorrow, we'll see you at 7.30 a.m. at any of our 1,600 or so polling stations. Come forward, mark your ballot papers correctly, and have your vote counted.
0: The blackout on campaigning, political advertising, and media reporting of political issues, which started at midnight on Sunday, will be lifted at the close of polling at 6pm on Wednesday. Two Pacifica government ministers are among six New Zealand MPs retiring at the 2023 election. Ministers Porto Williams and Aupito Williamsio are on the retiree list. Lydia Lewis spoke with one of the ministers, Aupito Williamsio, and filed this report.
4: After more than a decade in Parliament, Minister for Pacific Peoples and Minister for Courts, Alpito William Seo, is bowing out.
3: I've dedicated that time advocating for Pacific communities. I've left everything on the field, and, and I think it's my time. I've got young Pacific MPs in my caucus that are rearing to go, and I've got every confidence in them.
4: The minister says the decision to retire was his.
3: I made that decision. It's 15 years of member of parliament, but also seven years in local government. That's 22 years in public life.
4: He has been an MP for the Mangere electorate since 2008. Before that, he served in local government and was the first elected official of Pacific descent to hold a mayoral office in Auckland. He says being a politician is all-consuming. Relentless, he sacrificed family time.
3: And I've got other responsibilities as a matai of a very strong extended family across the region. So I've got to pay attention to that side of my life. And I've got other challenges that I want to get stuck into.
4: The chiefly title of Aupito was bequeathed upon him in 2016 by his father, Aupito Senior.
5: Look, he's just a, a very proud traditional Samoan who believes in the aspirations of being independent, who is very proud of his tradition and proud of Samoa becoming the first independent nation in the Pacific region. And he's also was the chairperson of the second um, Catholic uh, Samoan speaking parish in Otara back in the seventies. These are the people who dealt with uh, the injustices of the dawn raid. And I was a young person that sat on the floor serving him and the elders who were supporting uh, uh family members who were being deported or who were in prison during you know those dreadful dawn raid periods one of the greatest stain on Pacific peoples of aotearoa New Zealand and and so it was always about hard work it was always serving your community that's what he instilled in me but it was actually my late mother who was my staunchest supporter as a politician. <laughs> she encouraged and supported me and she instilled in me whatever they art, act while they part. And I've tried to live um, by those values that both my parents have instilled in me.
4: Aupito will not stand for the Mangare electorate come next year. But the work is not over just yet. He has a long to-do list to tick off in 2023 already.
5: So Budget 2023 is an absolute. And, and yes, we've got the commitments that we've made during the dawn raids, which includes um, matters around immigration. So we're working on that. And then, of course, I'm hosting uh, the Pacific Education Minister's meeting next year, early next year in March. And, and of course, I've got to launch the uh, Dawn Raids Wakao stories, where we start collecting stories from families from the Dawn Raids period. And then, of course, I've got the second summit of the Pacific Aotearoa Lāranga goals, where we will look back uh, to the first wellbeing budget um, and reflect on what we have done, um, the investment that we've made and the impact, and then review what more can we do in lifting Pacific well being. Um, of course, I've got, uh, uh, it's not just Pacific, I'm also the Minister of Court, so I've got the coronial reform that I've got to oversee and making sure that we're lining those things up, making sure that we're continuing our support to Te Ao Matama, that is uh, judiciary led in our court system to improve access to our court system. So, you know, I think I can complete all of that uh, next year.
4: Aupito says he has confidence in the next generation of Pacifica leaders to stand up when he steps down.
0: Conservation Minister and Disability Issues Minister Porto-Williams, who has served for almost a decade, is also bowing out of politics next year. Iron Z Pacific is seeking a full interview with Minister Porto, reflecting on her political career. That's specific Waves for today. Remember, you can download us for free to your device from Spotify, iHeart, Apple Podcasts. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can also find us.